Welcome to the Not Old Better Show. I'm Paul Vogelzang, and as part of our Smithsonian Associates Art of Living series, our guest today is vocal coach extraordinaire Denise Woods. Denise Woods will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates June 16th, 2021, and the title of her presentation is The Power of Voice, Vocal Coach Denise Woods on Making Yourself Heard. You can find out more in our show notes today. But Denise Woods is our guest today, and Denise Woods is one of the nation's most sought-after voice and dialect coaches. In her new book, The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard, Denise Woods shares the secrets, tips, lessons, and stories that have helped Hollywood's biggest stars become confident, effective communicators. Denise Woods even coaches me in this interview, and you want to hear her insightful tutelage. I have to not only find my voice, but to powerfully express myself so others will listen. One of the most sought-after vocal coaches in Hollywood, Denise Woods, has worked with Halle Berry, Will Smith, Marashala Ali, Jessica Chastain, Kirsten Dunst, Lawrence Fishburne, Idris Elba, Ray Liotta, Taraji P. Henson, and Mike Myers, among many others, teaching them how to use their voices to enhance their art. Drawing on her new book, The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard, Denise Woods shares with us proven practical and invaluable tools to change both how we communicate and ultimately how we see ourselves. From America's number one most feared task, public speaking, to asking for a raise, establishing your presence in video meetings, to a marriage proposal, we're judged by our voice, our most crucial instrument of expression. Denise Woods discusses how to develop your voice and be heard in everyday life and also addresses topics such as how to be heard as a person of color and how to convey who we are by embracing our culture, region, and heritage. In our conversation today on the Not Old Better Show, Denise Woods traces her journey from shy child in New York City to successful performer, teacher at the Juilliard School from which she graduated, and the California Institute of the Arts to her work with a host of stars to finding her origins. This is from my book, The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard. Love where you're from. Finding freedom in your speech starts with embracing your origins, your isms. And by that, I mean the regionalisms, cultures, and individual distinctions that make you, you. I want people to be able to trumpet from the mountaintop who they are and where they're from. Since my days as a student at Juilliard, I've learned that I have a hodgepodge of cultural influences that layer the way I speak. It's wonderful. I have roots that go way back to the traditions of the Gullah, a distinctive group of African-Americans living in small farming and fishing communities in the low country of South Carolina, Georgia, and the nearby islands along the stretch of coastline. This community has survived slavery, the Civil War, and modernization relatively untouched. And they have a rich, geechy language, closer to the dialect spoken in Africa's Sierra Leone than anything heard in North America. And yet, this rich piece of our country's cultural tapestry, which is chocked full of our history and legacy, is in danger of fading out. 
Over the generations, we've been brainwashed into thinking that this vivid dialect, a combination of West African linguistics blended into Southern English vernacular, is substandard. Well, I want to defy all that. I want to be a torchbearer for this and the many cultures that make up my unique heritage. I want everyone I know, whether they're African-American, Native American, or Irish-American, to be proud of their identity and not feel a need to give up their unique vocal rhythm. These isms are as beautiful as cultural diversity is a strength. Just like a fine vintage wine is complex with many delicious notes of berry, cherry, and oak, so is your native speech. That, of course, is our guest today, Denise Woods, reading from her new book, The Power of Voice, vocal coach Denise Woods on Making Yourself Heard. Please join me in welcoming to the Not Old Better Show via internet phone, Smithsonian Associate Denise Woods. Denise Woods, welcome to the program. Thank you, Paul. It is such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you. And honestly, just right from my heart, this is just going to be a wonderful interview. I'm excited to talk to you as somebody who talks for a living. I can't wait to just jump into this. You're going to be at the Smithsonian Associates coming up. Why don't you just tell us briefly about your upcoming Smithsonian Associates presentation? And since we're all on Zoom these days, and for somebody who uses their voice so well, how will you use Zoom to engage our audience? Well, I want to start where everyone is at this moment in history, at this moment in people's lives and where we are culturally, socially, politically. I mean, it's the micro and the macro of where we are. We are in a very unique place emotionally, spiritually, physically, the pandemic and the social and political upheaval that we've experienced these last few years um, is really taking its toll on us, um, not just as a country, but as the world. And now more than ever, more than ever, we really need to stand up on a mountaintop and plant ourselves firmly in and really say, this is who I am. See me, hear me. I deserve to be heard. I deserve to be valued because my voice matters. And so that's what I want to engage the the Smithsonian public with. I want to start where people are right now. I want to start with your voice owning your voice, owning your isms, owning your all of it, all of you, the totality of you. And and clearly if there's something that should be addressed, because yes, there's always a point at which we look at ourselves, be it physically, emotionally, or or vocally, as, as, as I concentrate on, we look at ourselves and we go, oh yeah, well, there's some work that can be done in this area. Then clearly that should be done. And that's why you hire a person like me. But the person like me comes in and says, let's do the work. 
but let's not throw out the basis of who you are, where you're from, the principles upon which you stand. Let's start there and improve upon that. Well, I love that. And and thank you. Again, for somebody who makes their living using their voice, talking to somebody like you is just just such an honor, uh, Denise Woods. And you're really you're one of the most sought after vocal coaches in Hollywood. You've worked with Will Smith. You've worked with Kirsten Dunst. You've worked with Jessica Chastain. You've worked with Common and Halle Berry and Zoe Saldana. How did you get started as a vocal coach and instructor? You know, when I look back on my career. It really didn't start out as an adult. It started out in in childhood, actually. You know, when you can go back and trace and 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 trace what led you to this place, something always leads back to childhood. And in childhood, I was raised in a wonderfully colorful household, uh, very church driven. We would go to church on Sunday mornings and come home in the afternoon. And my mom, my sister and I, we would mimic all of the people in church. And that was our Sunday afternoon dinner conversation, entertainment, and um, we performed for each other and we created characters, we used our imaginations, and we weren't talking about people, we were talking like them. We became these people. And then as I grew older, I made it into the New York City Children's Opera Chorus and I sang opera. I became an opera singer at 12 years old and I was studying um, opera at a very high level. Uh, Wanted to be the next Leontine Price and uh, just understood on a visceral level, the, the the pathos and and the larger than life characters and and scenarios of these operas, and 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 develop this ear for music that later, along with those Sunday afternoons with my family, informed my talent as a dialect coach. And it it helped develop my ear as a dialect coach, because that's where it all, that's where it all lies. It, it lies in what does this group do, um, as opposed to that group. And so what are you doing and what are they doing? Oh, they're just swapping out two vowel sounds. They're changing two vowel sounds that I have. They're making it now. They're making it this. So it really is a wonderful sense of hearing what someone else is doing and being able to identify it and then notate it. We have something called the International Phonetic Alphabet where I can notate sounds of speech and then teach someone how to do it. That's the, that's the, that's the thing. That's the, the fine line is you can hear it, you can transcribe it, you can know it, but the ability to tell someone how to do it, that came from my Sunday afternoons sitting around the table after church with my mom and my sister. That's a great story. I can, I could just see that in my mind's eye. Just a family talking about the church goers and everybody from, uh, you know, everybody in their voices. It's so interesting because we had um, a gentleman, an older man in the church, who in in the nineteen sixties, when we were small children, he was a hundred years old then. He was born into slavery, and. 
he was the, the 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 sort of patriarch of our church. We I grew up in this wonderful, huge historic Baptist church in Harlem, and um, and so the stories and the legacy that we were that we were handing down to each other and passing over the uh, uh, you know across the table was was everything. Well, unless we're doing some public speaking, most of us speak every day without even thinking about it. And should we? think about our voice more in everyday conversation? And is this kind of this idea of confidence that you talk about? Is that what we really need to think about? Too? Absolutely. We, we, we very consciously choose the, the, the outfit that we put on in the morning, don't mm, we? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Depending on what we have to do, who we're with, um, how we're feeling, I say the same thing holds true for your voice, you know? I mean, if you're going to the grocery store, I make my voice a conscious choice no matter what I'm doing. Even if I'm going to the grocery store because I see my voice as a tool to affect people, a tool for change, a tool to inspire. And 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 I have been told I was just flying. I just flew back from Atlanta on Sunday and sat next to a woman. And we finally it was it was a five hour flight. And three hours into the flight, we struck up a conversation and I told her what I did. And she said, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. When you called the flight attendant over, I said to myself, this woman has the most beautiful voice. I, she does something with her voice for a living. And and it, it's so interesting because I use my voice with intention. I put it out in the world intentionally because I want to inspire people to be conscious of the power that their voices have. I do it in the grocery store. And so, yes, the same way that I chose to put these particular earrings on, which your your listening audience can't see, <laughs> I have these earrings that I chose specifically to match this outfit. And and if I were going out not sitting behind a computer, I would have chosen the shoes to match. <laughs> And so the same thing holds true for voice and speech. Um, it, it, it should be intentional, not just something that you show up with. And so I warm up in the morning and I, I love warming up. I'm a singer, so I sing. That's my warm up. I do singing drills. I do articulation exercises just to put myself into the world. We are with Denise Woods. Denise Woods is the author of the new book, The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard. Denise Woods will be at the Smithsonian Associates presentation coming up. We're going to put links in the notes today where you can find out more information about Denise Woods and her new book, The Power of Voice. Let's talk about the book for just a moment, Denise Woods, because it is getting just great reviews. And I've got it. I've got it here in my hand right now. And so our audience is going to have to imagine your earrings, which are beautiful, but they'll have to imagine me holding the book in my hand too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You talk in the book about, oh, of course, thank you again. You you talk about using your authentic voice in everyday life. What do you mean by that, the authentic voice? You know, as we uh, have come up in uh, during childhood, uh, high school, college, in the workplace, in corporate America, conforming is a hot button issue. We we must conform, or 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 so we're meant 
to feel this need to conform into the larger uh, structure, be it cultural, racial, corporate structure. The pressure is on us to conform the way we wear our hair, the way we dress. I mean, clearly there are quote unquote standards. And I often say whose standards are we are we using to to sort of analyze what good speech is? We used to call it standard American speech. I said standard American speech. There's no standard in America. There is no standard because we are a compilation of so many different cultures and so many different regions and we all sound different. And when I say authenticity, I mean truly that, your authentic self, the ability to bring all of you to the table. Now, you may not use all of it. That's where I come in. And I keep I keep making this plug. That's where money comes in. That's why you need this work, because there are some circumstances that lend themselves to certain aspects of to who you are, um, rather than other aspects of who you are. Meaning, um, for instance, if I'm on a red carpet and I have a red carpet event to go to, uh, I, I personally wouldn't show up in cutoff jeans or something that I would wear to the beach. And so uh, I would want to be able to have the type of wardrobe that allows me to be able to go from a red carpet event, take off the the the, the, the beautiful dress that I'm rocking mm-hmm. and, and put on the wonderful laid back stuff because I do live on the beach here in California. Mm, folks. How nice. um, and so I have a lot, most of my wardrobe is beach ready. <laughs> Clearly I wouldn't rock it on the, on the red carpet. And so I say, have the, um, the, the vocabulary, have the, 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 the palette of so many different shades of who you are, but steep it in in an authentic truth that is 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 reflective of who you are. I liken it to having a box of crayons. The difference between having a box of eight colors and sixty four colors. So so with the sixty four, you've got five or six shades of orange and and seven shades of blue, and you can create a much more in depth picture when you have several choices. And and that's 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 the that's what this work is about. But but what we're taught is in some way that my choice and when I choose to speak in a, partic- a particular way, it's bad. It's not good. It's 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 not the standard. And I want to take the good, bad, right, wrong off of this, um, out of the conversation and put in choice, whatever you choose to, to, to really express the narrative and to further the narrative without any distractions, because anything that takes away from the narrative, that's the bottom line. You don't want to take away from the narrative. You don't want to distract from the narrative. So anything that can add to the narrative, your narrative, your authentic narrative, that's what I serve. That's where I come in. Well, this last year, um, 
the pandemic, the lockdown, many in our audience have been isolated a well, well away from, from others. I certainly hope you're well and your family are all doing well. But what is the, yes, of course, what, what has the pandemic done to our voices? You know, again, as somebody who, you know, lives for talking to others and being around people and conversation, wearing a mask just limits all the the cues that I have in seeing people and communicating with them. And so I know it's really limited my ability to communicate. So my voice, I think, becomes even more important. Is that, would you agree, is uh, during this pandemic time, it's just completely, what we have. Completely. And, and I am... Um, I, I, I am so shrouded by all of the coverings because mm-hmm. I go out, I have a cap on, either cap, mm-hmm. and then I have dark sunglasses on and a mask. So you <laughs> really can't see me whenever I'm, I'm going from point A to point B. I, I'm, I'm masked, not just from my, my nose down, but from my nose up to my forehead. So, <laughs> and, and so what it has done is it has forced me to be more in my body, uh, uh, to be more uh, um, um, physically demonstrative of not just what I'm saying, but what I'm feeling. Because a lot of times the emotion in, in the eyes or the emotion, the little, the, the small nuanced cues that we get from a smile uh, or from a grimace, you know, are now gone. We can't see it. And so I use something that is an old voiceover technique that directors would tell voiceover artists, put more smile in your voice. So now that I can't see you smile, I have to hear the smile in your voice. And so what that requires is more musicality. It requires more of 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 a variety of notes that you're using in your voice. You need more highs, you need more lows. You need much more dexterity. You need more crisp articulation. You need more consonants in your work because now we don't have the luxury of seeing your lips. So is are you saying an M or an N? That's an M or an N. Are you saying a TH or an F? Are you saying it's we've got to be more conscious now more than ever of really clearly delineating um, where the word, where the thought uh, ends and the new thought begins. A new thought begins. And so the voice has to do something different to let the listener know that this is a new thought. It's not a continuation of the previous thought. So, so yes, to answer your question, we, we are suffering in so many ways vocally from not just the mask, but from being behind a screen, this we've become these, these two dimensional figures that exists in a box on a screen. And so the tip that I have for that is to use your imagination. Now, what does that mean? I bet you anything, your listening audience, you made mention of it. And I said, oh, Paul is really sharp because I'm further with what you said. I know people saw my mother and my sister and I sitting around that that dinner table 
after church. I know people saw that old man who was a hundred years old in the 1960s who was born a slave. That's storytelling. That's the power of storytelling. Utilizing your imagination to see, not just speak words, but to see images. And that's what we have to do in in this two-dimensional world that we now live in. We now have to make, we've got to flesh it out. We've got to make the people real people in our mind's eyes. We've got to make the situation and the scenarios, even if they're data-driven and boring, we've got to make the numbers. We've got to flesh out the numbers and we've got to put a face on the numbers. We've got to put an image, a picture on the numbers. Thank you for that. That's that's so helpful. Mm-hmm. You also talk a little bit about this word, you know, that we're, we're stereotyped often by our voice. And I wonder if you could tell us how, how we might avoid that, because it's important today in everyday life. Of course, it's important to all of your clients in Hollywood. It's particularly important to, to women in corporate America, too. And so I wonder, how do we avoid being stereotyped by our voices? First of all, the technical aspect is breathing. When you breathe, that's that's the the second step of the process. The first step of the process is relaxation, relaxing the instrument. You know what happens to a string instrument when you tighten up, you put tension on the string, the pitch goes higher. When you relax the valve, the pitch becomes more dulcet. It becomes more relaxed. And so how do you relax your, your listener? is by relaxing your instrument. So you relax your instrument, you relax your voice, and it becomes more inviting. When you breathe deeper, you go into a deep wellspring of emotion. The reason why people don't breathe is because real emotion lives there. It's not a coincidence that that Eastern philosophies and yoga and practices, um, these types of practices are steeped in breathing because they the breath allows you to go to a deep physiological and emotional place that has a tendency to drudge up memories has a tendency to drudge up past histories, which is the reason why we typically don't breathe because we want to go there. We want to put our big person pants on and, and just suck it up and move through life. But as you find that you connect to your authentic voice and you start breathing deeply, you will start going to places that allow you to to be aware of your total self, your total voice, and and how to start there in in terms of, of releasing it into the world. So the stereotype then becomes less of a stereotype and becomes real a a, 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 a thing of personal identity, how I identify. I want you to respect how I identify. If I, I identify as a trans woman of color, then I want to dig deep into that wellspring of emotion and demand that you respect that demand that you hear me and 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 
also not just demand that you hear me, but also I want people to feel that when they do release that voice into the world, into the workplace, that they are giving a gift of themselves. So, so there's no need to be nervous because you are essentially giving the gift of your identity, of, of yourself, of, of, of your, your family, your background, the pride in which you navigate through this world, you're giving it to your listener as a gift. And so that, in my experience, debunks all of the stereotypes. It really does. And, 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 and then what I do after relaxing and, and resonating and breathing and speaking my truth and giving it as a gift, I am a great listener. I think that is so essential. We're so busy putting our our thoughts and our ideologies and our stuff into the world that we're not in a place to receive it. And so I contend that listening is as important as speaking. I contend that the pause, the breath, the silence, there is so much value in that. I say it in the book that Miles Davis says there's so much power in the rest, if not more power in the rest than the note. I say the same thing. There is so much power in the silence you're receiving, and then you can respond authentically. Fantastic stuff. I wonder if you demonstrate a couple of these techniques, maybe a couple of the exercises that our audience might might do to actually put this into practice. Of course, the book is The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard. Maybe give us a couple of these exercises that might help us make ourselves heard. Absolutely. I'm going to do uh, articulation exercises because I start with relaxation, as I said, and then breath, then voice, then articulation, then communication. And so articulation is really key. I say it's what scales are to a musician. These articulation exercises are to a speaker. It's just to get the tongue more agile, the lips more agile, to bring the the placement of the voice further forward in the mouth. So the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue, the lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. Do you want to try it? We can slow it down, Paul. The lips. The lips. The teeth. The teeth. The tip of the tongue. The tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth. The lips, the teeth. The tip of the tongue. The tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. The lips, the teeth, the tip of the tongue. Good. Peter Piper. Peter Piper. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter Piper. Peter Piper. The pickled pepper picker. The pick, the pip, the pickled pepper picker. That's right. <laughs> That's a good one, Denise. I had to slow that one down. The pickled pepper picker. The pickled pepper picker. Picked a peck of pickled peppers. 
picked a peck of pickled peppers. This is great because what we're working, we're working the lips, the tip of the tongue, and the back of the tongue. We're getting three places in the in the space of your mouth that's getting a really wonderful workout. And the thing about these exercises is that you don't want to go the way people go hard in the gym because that creates tension. And the hallmark about this work, the basis of all of this work is relaxation. So these exercises, these, these, these tongue twisters are to be done with agility and you start very, very slow and you slowly pick up the pace. Say gaga, gaga, lala, 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 gaga, 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 lala, gaga, lala, gaga, lala, gaga, lala, lala, gaga, lala, gaga, lala, gaga, lala, lala, Lala gaga, lala gaga. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. And I'm trying to breathe. It's There's a lot to think about here. <laughs> it's comparable to patting the head and rubbing your tummy, you know. Obviously, <laughs> right. it really, really is. And so that's why I go slow. And I start with relaxation and then breathing. And then it's sort of like putting the bricks on top, you know, putting the foundation, the brick, the first brick is relaxation and then the voice and then, uh, I'm sorry, the breath, articulation, breath, then voice, then articulation. And we don't really get to articulation till quite a, a ways into the book. Interestingly enough, and I share this in the book, when my first year at Juilliard, we did not utter a sound until after Halloween. Hmm. Wow. Until the beginning of November. We stayed on the floor for the first two months of, 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 uh, of our training in voice class, just finding out what the breath, relaxed breath, relaxed energy was like. So it's crucial. The first steps of the process before you even utter a sound, the, these first steps are crucial. Because ultimately, they invite your listener to you. When you have a, a voice that isn't inviting, you know, people don't want to sit and stay. When you have a voice that is inviting, come come over, sit down, have a listen to what I have to say. It, it's inviting. Well, Denise Woods, what a gift to us you have been today. Thank you so much for your generous time. What a great opportunity it's been for me. What a wonderful opportunity it's going to be for our audience to read the book, The Power of Voice, A Guide to Making Yourself Heard by Denise Woods, our guest today. That's the title of Denise Woods' presentation coming up at Smithsonian Associates. We'll have links to where you can find out more information about Denise Woods, about this wonderful book, and... Uh, We'll all learn how to breathe and and pick pickled <laughs> peppers better. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh boy, that is this great. Denise Woods, thank you so much for your time. What a great, what a great conversation. It was wonderful. Thank you so much. My thanks to Denise Woods, vocal coach extraordinaire. Denise Woods will be presenting at the Smithsonian Associates June sixteenth, twenty twenty one, and the title of her presentation is the Power of Voice, vocal coach Denise Woods on Making Yourself Heard. You can find out more in our show notes today. My thanks to the Smithsonian Associate team for all they do to support the show. And my thanks to you, my wonderful Not Old Better Show audience. Please be safe, stay vaccinated, and remember, let's talk about better. The Not Old Better Show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.